Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. Anti-Catholics love to say that the Catholic Church is wrong for baptizing with pouring and sprinkling because the word in the Bible for baptism means to immerse or to submerge, literally to go under the water. That's what they say. And so they say Catholics are wrong because they sprinkle and they pour water on babies. And that's just wrong because the biblical model is submersion. I've heard pastors say it literally means submersion. In fact, I was watching one Protestant pastor, and he said exactly this. He said, the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo. And he said, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, the word means to dip repeatedly, to emerge, and to submerge. He goes on to say that the original connotation never, ever meant anything else except to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. But of course, as we're going to see in this video, this is 100% holy incorrect. The word baptize in Greek has other meanings other than submerge or to immerse. And what's really funny is that this same pastor only selectively quoted Thayer's lexicon. If you go look it up for yourself, you will see that there are other definitions under there which agree with the Catholic Church. Maybe he didn't like those, so he left them out. Thayer's lexicon also says it means to wash to make clean with water and to wash oneself or to bathe. And this is exactly what the Catholic Church has taught. And in fact, Protestants across the board understand this. Theological dictionaries, lexicons, interlinear New Testaments, and uh, expounding on Scripture talk about the many different meanings of the word baptize in Greek. Yes, it does primarily mean to immerse, but it also means to bathe, to wash, to cleanse oneself. And that cleansing or washing could be spiritual or physical. So there's many multiple different definitions of the word. So baptism does not only mean immersion, and we have to stop repeating this false myth. In addition, it also is connected to sprinkling and pouring, and there is a biblical basis, yay, for both. Not only in the Bible, but in the original connotation of what this man was talking about, we see that not only does this word apply to baptism of immersion, but it also applies to pouring and sprinkling. So the Catholic Church has a biblical basis for the administering of baptism the way they do. And this can even be seen in Scripture itself. There's different definitions of the Greek word for baptism, and it's in connotation or in relation to the Jewish ritual cleansings and even the ritual baths. Listen to what the Jewish encyclopedia itself has to say. The pouring on of water was a sign of discipleship. Thus, Scripture says of Elijah that he poured water, 2 Kings 3.11, upon the hands of Elijah, meaning that he was his disciple. The hands may also be purified by immersion, but in that case, the same rules must be observed as in the case of the version of an entire body and the regular ritual bath. 
So baptismal ritual washings in Israel not only included immersion, but also pouring. And it not only applied to just the hands, but to the whole body as well. What applied to the hands is applied to the body, pouring and immersion. And in Israel, it was both. And we can even see this in the Gospels themselves. I mean, Jesus is regularly coming into battle with the Pharisees. And in Mark chapter 7 and other Gospel passages as well, it says that the Pharisees were shocked and appalled that Jesus and his disciples would eat without doing the ritual washings, the Greek word baptism. And it goes on to say in Mark chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, that the Pharisees will not eat unless they first purify, baptize themselves. In other words, through the ritual washings of the hands, the cups, the bowls, and so on. By washing all of these things, they are purified and ready to take part. So they're not submerging these things. They're literally washing them. They're washing their hands. They're washing their cups. They're washing the bowls and so on. So literally the word baptize can simply mean to wash or to cleanse. And again, this has a physical and a spiritual connotation. This is not only what's referred to in Scripture, but it's what happens in baptism. And this is exactly what Titus 3.5 is referring to when it says we are saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Some translations say the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Notice that water and the Spirit are always connected in Scripture. Uh, and this harkens back to John 3, 5, where Jesus says you must be born again of water and the Spirit. This is seen as baptism, and that's why we're talking about the washing and the cleansing here. But we see in Titus 3, 5 that it's the washing of rebirth born again, or the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Spirit, water and the Spirit. We see this spiritual washing in other places in Scripture too, like, for example, Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Ananias. Ananias says, rise and be baptized, washing away your sins as you call upon the Lord. Notice it talks about baptism washing away your sins. Again, there's a constant referral to cleansing and washing in regard to baptism. Notice 1 Peter 3.21, how it says baptism saves you. But before that, if you go back to uh, verse 13 and following, it talks about how eight souls were saved, Noah and his family, through water. And he says baptism corresponds to this being saved by water. And he says, now baptism saves you, not from dirt or filth, but as a renewal of conscience. In other words, an interior renewal. This is exactly what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, and how we are born again through baptism into Christ and into his life and become justified with him. And this is confirmed by all the earliest Christians unanimously. They all referred to baptism as being born again by water and the Spirit. Nobody ever thought of anything different, not even the Protestant reformers. And in fact, they refer to many different ways too. They refer to baptism as washing, cleansing, bathing, and different things like that because that's what 
baptism does. Or I should say that's what the Holy Spirit does through baptism in our souls. It washes us, cleanses us, renews us, justifies us, and makes us children of God. So there is a lot of evidence that baptism is not only by immersion, but also by pouring as well, including all of the earliest Christians, as I said. Like, if you look back at all of the most ancient artwork that we have, and there's a lot of it, the artwork depicts, and, you know, depictions show ancient civilizations, all of the artwork depicts people being baptized in rivers or some body of water, but it's never in immersion. They have the people going down into the water, but then they pour water on their heads with shells or cups or things like that. So when people go down into the water, we never see them depicted in art as being submerged. Not in ancient, not the most ancient Christian art. It's almost always, if not always, with shells and cups and being poured, which shows how the ancient Christians did it. In fact, if you look at the Didache, which is dated at about 70 AD, it's one of the most ancient Christian texts, one of the ancient Christian handbooks, really, of how Christians did things. This was written, just to give you some context, before the New Testament was even finished, before some of the New Testament books were even written. That's how early this was, and they were using it as a manual for Christians. And listen to what it says. It says, concerning baptism, baptize this way. Having first said all these things, then baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19, in living water. But if you have not living water, baptize in other water. And if you cannot in cold, then in warm. But if you have not either, then pour water out three times on the head in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice it says if you don't have living water or regular water, then pour water three times on the head, showing that the earliest Christians as far back as New Testament times were already using pouring as a method in addition to immersion. Why? For multiple reasons. Number one, water wasn't always readily available for most people or for many people. In fact, for the first three centuries of Christianity, Christians were persecuted on and off. And many times they had to worship underground where there was no source of water. There were no rivers or lakes or bathtubs or things that you could be submerged in. And so they would refer to pouring or sprinkling based on the amount of water that they had so that they could baptize these souls. In addition, there's other reasons too, like people who are on death's door and can't get to a church to be baptized or to a lake or to a river or quadriplegics or people who are paralyzed or people who, let's say, live in deserts or frozen regions of the world where there is no water. They don't have bathtubs. They don't can't go down into a lake, a river, or be submerged or immersed in any way. So there has to be another way for them to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit with water. Now, the Bible never, ever says it has to be immersion. That's one of the Protestant anti-Catholic arguments, is that it has to be immersion. But it never says that. It just says that the word is immersion, but as we've seen, it doesn't only mean immersion. It has other meanings as well. And we've seen that since the earliest days of Christianity, and I could quote the earliest Christians to show what we're talking about, but they all say unanimously that it also refers to pouring as well, bathing, cleansing. It's not just immersion. 
Now, at this point, some people will say, yes, but Brian, you're ignoring the fact that Jesus, the Bible says, went down into the water, and then he came up out of the water. So clearly, that shows that Jesus is going down and being submerged. But that's not actually true, and it never says Jesus was submerged. He just says he went down into the water and came out of the water. We imagine that he's going into the water that way rather than just walking into the water and walking out of the water. It could be two different things. Put the kitty on the table. Put the kitty on the table. What does that mean? Could mean a poker bet if you put the kitty on the table, or it could be a cat. It's the same thing, same terminology, but with two different meanings. Same thing with going down into the water. It could just mean walking into the water, or it could be meaning actually going under the water. It doesn't say. But we do have a clue from Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the eunuch. The eunuch wanted to be baptized, and it says that both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and then it says they both came up out of the water. Now, are we to imagine that Philip submerged himself too along with the eunuch? Or would he have just baptized the eunuch? Or was it just saying that they went into the water and came back out? That's the majority of what most people think, is that they just went down into the water and came back out. It's not talking about submerging him, because then he would have submerged himself as well. That lingo is not clear. But we do know from ancient art that almost every person was poured upon when they went down into the water, or sprinkled upon when they went down into the water. Lastly, some people say, well, what about sprinkling? That harkens back to Ezekiel chapter 36, where God said he's going to sprinkle clean water upon his people, and they will have the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and they will be cleansed from all their iniquities and idols. Now notice, again, throughout scripture from the beginning to end, we have this water and the Spirit. Literally from the beginning to the end, you see this correlation between water and the Spirit. He's going to sprinkle clean water on them, cleanse them of their iniquities, and renew the Spirit in their lives. Now, the Jewish encyclopedia, and what the Jews actually taught on this, again, original connotation, they said that this refers to baptism. And not just baptism, but baptism in the Messianic age. So now, what we're doing now. So there is also a biblical basis for sprinkling. And again, if you don't have the water sources and you don't have an abundance of water, sometimes Christians resorted to sprinkling to save on water so people could still be baptized. They could still receive the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit and be born again to become children of God. I mean, they shouldn't be held back because there is no water source where you can go down into it and be submerged. No, Christians have always, and the Catholic Church has always, and still does today, baptizes by immersion, pouring, and sprinkling. We've always done that in the Catholic Church, and we still do today, all three. Uh, And that's what Christians have done historically back to the most ancient times. So there not only is a biblical basis for the Catholic practice of baptism, but there's also a historical basis for the Catholic practice of baptism. And I hope this has helped to clarify this subject for you. I hope it's helped to clear up some of the myths that have been made and continually are purported by pastors and by other people as as well. So many people are so bent on just destroying Catholicism that they'll only take a few definitions from Greek lexicons and dictionaries and things like that, and they'll leave the rest of them if it doesn't prove their point. But I hope that this has given you the whole scope, or at least a much bigger scope of what baptism is, how it's applied, and how it's always been applied through history and what the earliest Christians taught.
Thank you so much for watching. Please help us by sharing this video. Share it on all your platforms. And it also helps us if you like it and you comment and you subscribe to our channel because the more people that see this, the more popular it is and the more people get out there. Because the more you like, the more you comment and the more uh, you subscribe and share it with other people, the more it gets out there and the more people watch it and the more YouTube shows it to other people. So thank you. And we appreciate that. And if you would like to follow us for daily inspiration, please check out our social media below. If you love what we do here and you think it's so important and you think our the souls in this world are just desperate in need for truth, please support our ministry. Um, Patreon or PayPal, whether it's one time, monthly, or a one time donation of generosity. Uh, that's up to you. We leave it to you and to God, but we beg you to consider supporting our ministry so that we can continue doing the work that God has asked us to do. We hope this video has blessed you. God bless you.